Hi, hello, and welcome to the Hot Plates and Grapes podcast. My name is Aaron Mays, and I have here partner of the Ryan Lee Gallery, Jeff Lee. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, it's a pleasure. Legend. I got to <laughs> say, I'm, I'm super excited to have you here. Um, I just want to first start off saying, how are you doing? How's everything? How's your family, like, internally? Like, how are you in lieu of all this in our world? Yeah, it's been a tough year, huh? And mm -hmm. people always say, um, 2020, we should have a do-over, but I should say, no do-over, just like move on mm -hmm. and hope that can, we can kind of just um, push forward to a new year. Um, I've been pretty good. I feel very lucky and grateful to have a thriving business during this kind of market. And um, I've been actually mostly spending my time in the Berkshires, which is a place, um, Western Massachusetts, which is very idyllic and beautiful. Uh, yeah. and, and I have a really wonderful community up there uh, with great people, which has been very important, I think. I think... Um, yeah, a sense of community, the most important thing to kind of get you through this. Of course. That's how I feel in my neighborhood. When, yeah. when I'm in Brooklyn, it's like I get to go out, I see a couple of my friends, you know, it's a communal feel to where like it's not so bad as the, you know, the news may make it seem as the world yeah. may project the time to be. It's kind of good on the psyche. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I yeah. actually live in Brooklyn also too. Oh, nice. So when I come visit, I, I always think there's an incredible difference between Manhattan and Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And Brooklyn feels like lively and people are kind of going about you know making the best of it manhattan feels much more desolate but now it's now it's getting back i feel like after labor day which is kind of nice to see oh yeah so because um i was going through soho and i saw a lot of action oh yeah and maybe that's just soho maybe soho just doesn't skip a beat <laughs> maybe it's a downtown energy i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably yeah so what we're drinking today one of your favorite varieties mm -hmm. Gumet. this is a beaujolais village i'm excited from, from domaine chapelle you know, uh, husband-wife combo, uh -huh. uh, the former sommeliers, now mm -hmm. making wine. It's a newer thing these days, you know, but they come from a winemaking family. So okay. it uh, seems a little more natural. They just yep. took more of a, like, you know, restaurant approach. Mm -hmm. But now they're back in the uh, back in the home. Oh, fantastic. Now I think Gamay's are it's kind of an underappreciated variety. Oh, 100%. And I always say Gamay all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Gamay all the way. Yeah. I definitely fell in love with this quarantine. This quarantine. I was buying from a shop called Wino. Okay. Where is Franklin that? Ave. Okay. Uh -huh. And um, Franklin and... I want to say like Park or like St. John, something like that. Mm -hmm. And they are, um, just pour you the first taste. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Amazing. Oh, yeah. I miss this. I miss pouring and like showing the bottle. And I also love the glasses that Ryan uses at Legacy. Yeah. It's really legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, there's never a comp no compromise. Like we need to have it on every table, every restaurant. Mm, amazing. Yeah. Great temperature also too. Lovely. So have, have you done any major adjustments? And like how's the wine world changed for you? with all this in COVID, like it's probably uh, less personal, it feels like. You mean the art world or the wine world? The art world. Or the art world. Yeah. Um, it's changed a lot. I mean, you know, I think first of all, the museum's being closed, which has been very difficult for a lot of people. I think that, um, like I miss going to museums and galleries. That's why I chose this field. This is why I live in New York. But to not have that, I think it's been very difficult. But. Uh, I've been lucky enough to have some art in my own personal collection, so yeah. it feels like nice to kind of live with some of the artists that I really love, which <laughs> is kind of nice. Um, yeah, and I think that we're all just kind of um, pivoting, as everyone is kind of doing, yeah. but I feel like um, people are really kind of engaged and committed to art, so I feel good about it. That's good. Yeah. That makes me feel good about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So I want to cheers to you. Cheers. Thank you for coming on the show. 
chink. They used to always give me a lot of anxiety when I see people cheers at Legacy. Why is that? Because they would like, you never knew how gentle they would be. Would yeah. they be trying to be like, yeah, <laughs> and just watch a glass explode I in know. front of them? And these are expensive glasses. They are expensive. Yes. <laughs> so I appreciate the delicacy. <laughs> Amazing. Really good. Yeah. Wow. Great selection. I'm glad you, when you said Gamay, I was like, all the way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's perfect for the afternoon. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect timing. Mm -hmm. I'm loving it. So um, your grassroots story pretty much is like you were born and raised in South Korea. Mm -hmm. And you came to here when you were six years old. Well, not born and raised. You were born and you got here when you were six. Mm -hmm. And then you made your way to New York. Mm -hmm. So what got you to the, uh, the art industry mm -hmm. in New York? Well, you know, I never grew up with art. Um, but I think when I was in like looking for schools, I would visit different cities. So I was in Chicago and then New York and... I had a very good friend who was a year above me um, in high school that went to the Juilliard School. So I went to come visit her, and I thought, well, I'll go look at um, Columbia, which is where I ended up going. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, going to a museum, and that was the Guggenheim Museum, and I saw this exhibition that was in a retrospective by Ellsworth Kelly, who passed away um, recently, but he's yeah. a very important American post-war artist who's famous for his kind of monochromatic paintings, um, kind of sh that are shaped, very minimal. But I never knew something like that could be art. And seeing that in this beautiful Frank Gehry's building really kind of transformed me and allowed me to see things in different ways yeah. and kind of what art can do. Um, so that's how I kind of got inspired and coming to New York um, to study at school and yeah. be surrounded by all the great museums was really a privilege. Yeah, I can imagine on some of your off days, you probably spent a lot of time going to different ones, like like the Whitney, the, the MoMA PS1, maybe the, the MoMA itself. Like, did you spend a lot of time there as well? Like, I, I can imagine. You Absolutely. Yeah. I went to so many different museums. And I think what's interesting, um, you know, when I came to New York, the museums, except for the Met, were much more intimate spaces and yeah. smaller. So it's interesting to see how gargantuan um, the museums have become today. But I think it's... Um, so important, and I love how crowded museums are. I mean, not crowded for viewership, yeah. for viewing, but I think that people care enough to wait in line and see things, which I think is really great. Yeah, that's lovely. So what was your first job in the art world? Let's see. Um, my first job outside of, after I graduated from college, I worked at a museum called the Cooper Hewitt Museum, mm -hmm. which is on East 92nd Street, I believe, and Fifth Avenue, and it's part of the Smithsonian. And it's famous for its design collection. Yeah. I was also kind of interested in design, but I worked in the drawings and prints department, cataloging a lot of their um, works in the collection. And I worked with a wonderful curator, my first boss, Marilyn Sims, who was <laughs> uh, a wonderful person to me. Um, and I was there just for one year. And I wanted to explore um, the gallery world also too. The museum was really great, but it, things happened in a much more, um, slower pace, I would say. Yeah. Um, and so I went to try to try different things. I think it's really important when you're young to try different aspects of yeah. a field. Of course. So Yeah, you got to dabble into a little bit of everything to find that exact niche Yeah. you got, you know? So, like, you, you've worked at that spot and, like, you were searching for more. At what point did you know, like, okay, this is where I belong. Like, I need to be here. I have this position and I'm going to take it to the moon. Mm. God, you know, I have, a, I think, a strange trajectory yeah. or unusual trajectory in terms of how I got here. Um, 
I have a business partner named Mary Ryan who I met when I was 18 years old. And then that was my first art internship after my freshman year in college. Um, actually, I was 19. And working in a gallery with her was really transformative to see how you can pursue a field that you're kind of passionate about, mm -hmm. both emotionally and intellectually, but also make a living out of it. And I think that's a, an incredible privilege to be able to marriage those two things that are so important in life. Um, so I worked for her um, after Cooper Hewitt Museum. Um, I did a little stint at an international gallery, um, but I've been working for her and with her now for, God, almost 20 years now? Almost 20 years. I, That's most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. That's beautiful. Yeah. So she pretty much like brought you on, embraced you, saw what you could be, and then just gave you the materials and let you fly like an eagle. Absolutely. I think that she really trusted me and also had great ambitions to make the gallery much more contemporary. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I love working with artists. Um, she had specialized a lot with works on paper and estates. Yeah. Um, but I think that sometimes in today's world, things are very, fairly highly focused. But I think that everything's kind of connected. So one thing that I always looked, liked about her and, and how we intersect is that she loves all forms of art yeah. the way that I do. I love contemporary, but I also love Netherlandish paintings. I love Russian revolutionary art. I love... Um, know Mexican art oh, yeah. um, so <laughs> it's it runs a huge gamut and I think that they all intersect somehow yeah and especially I think it ties so much more in the hospitality industry too mm. like um, so you took a you took on a position as the director before you became the partner right mm -hmm. Absolutely. and then you were more into the wine and dining guests like you had a little more of a hospitable approach to art which bled to the restaurants, just like Legacy. Mm -hmm. The minute you walk in, you're going to your table, you see Michelin Thomas, remember me. Mm -hmm. And that's like what you experienced. Like she had the foot up, mm -hmm. she had the, you know, the sock marks on her ankle. Mm -hmm. And you can tell, you know, she just got off. Maybe the day could have been long. Those socks may have been on for a long time. Mm -hmm. She's kicking back the shirt slightly unbuttoned. She has her records. You can tell she's in her vibe. Mm -hmm. And that's the vibe Legacy had. Well, exactly. And mm -hmm. I remember um, working with Ryan um, when he was going to open Legacy, yeah. I helped him with one piece at Charlie Bird, and he said, he came to me and said, you know, working on this huge restaurant, I want to have art an important part of the experience mm -hmm. for his diners, but also for his staff, which I think is really beautiful. And I remember getting a tour of the space, and we had a certain kind of um, art program that we were thinking about, and I knew that we had to have a McLean Thomas. And I remember the day that we actually got the work delivered here. And yeah. the space, interior space, was almost finished. And seeing it as a JPEG, but then actually seeing it in real person, yeah. and we had the art search like, raise it up to kind of place it, the whole energy of the dining room completely changed. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it, I felt like it felt um, just really spot on in terms of what they were kind of going for, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it, but I remember um, sharing that experience. Ryan was there and a few other people, and everyone had a little moment of silence in yeah. terms of just feeling the energy of what that art could bring to yeah. a space. 
they were letting the painting talk. Yeah, absolutely. They were listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chimed in fully in the zone. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it, I feel like it, um, it's super important. I've gone to a couple restaurants, and I see their art, and it doesn't really match what they're providing as like a service or an ambiance. You just see, like, mm-hmm. it's like, why is that there? Yeah. I'm not, I don't really get that. Well, I think a lot of people, especially in the service and, and hospitality industry, tend to use art in more of decorative ways. Mm-hmm. You know, just what I call like beige things, you know, like, you know, just it could be there. It, it doesn't have to be there, yeah. but it looks fine. Right. But I think that um, we made a very conscious effort to place works by internationally well-known artists mm-hmm. um, that have something to say. Yeah. I, I think that's just as important as it looking good with the aesthetics of the restaurant or space, um, and its vibe, I guess, also, too. I think, you know, contemporary art or any kind of art has a lot to say. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, we, when we spoke a while back about that, and you were explaining how art, like, you pretty much gave, like, the story of the feeling of how you should feel when you look at art, or mm-hmm. not how you should feel, more so, like, there is feeling behind it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel it, you know, that's not you. But if you feel it, mm-hmm. you know, look at it, listen to it. So a lot of my friends are putting out art, mm-hmm. and I'm like okay, I'm listening to what you said, and it's mm-hmm. like now taught me how to see art in a different way, mm-hmm. and I'm making purchases. Go oh, good. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> good friend of mine, her name is um, Brittany Phelps, and um, now she's a self-taught artist. Oh, wonderful. And she just released her prints, and I'm mm-hmm. telling you, they're like slightly breathtaking. For mm-hmm. to have no like training just to like visualize and put it on uh, on a canvas, Yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Like I was like, I'm going to like set my wild on fire right now, mm-hmm. you know? I think also I love the fact that um, she's a self-taught artist because I think sometimes when you're too trained, it's hard to escape the influences of what you know. But I think that um, to just really like look within, yeah, I think that's really powerful. For sure. Yeah. So Good. what kind of work does she do? Like what's the images that she makes or what, uh, how would so you describe it? It's hard for me to describe it in the right, correct art terms. No, there's, but, there's no correct But the way terms. I see it's yeah. a lot of like... Um, human influence but like let's say she'll draw like a lion's head on a female body Mm. to give like a i get a sense of like there's an empowerment element to Mm -hmm. like she's a lioness Mm -hmm. but there's also like femininity femininity to her and like a sexual aspect Mm -hmm. that draws you but you still respect the lion head Mm -hmm. and so like a lot of these paintings have that in there and she does a lot of like the um astrology signs one as well Mm -hmm. so she'll have like a a nubian lady like kind of half face with like aries and she'll have the Aries symbol and like the Capricorn, like mm-hmm. she'll have like the goat head, the goat um, mm-hmm. horns coming out, and they're like, they're cosmic, they're very like abstract, but they're clean, like mm-hmm. super clean lines. Like, it's so nice. Oh, great! I would I love to show you. After yeah, love I, to see I it. think she's doing some really good stuff. Fantastic. At the shout out, shout out, Brittany, right there. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, getting your art into restaurants, you have to eventually, you're probably dining out a lot at this point. What's your best? or like first big time dining experiments in your position as either a partner or as a, as a director mm-hmm. for uh, Ryan Lee? You know, I mean, in terms of uh, placing art into a hospitality industry, it's not that much, really. really? Um, not that, as I said, not that many people um, invest in it. Um, it's not cheap. <laughs> uh, you know, the core of my business is actually institutions and private collectors. Oh, understood. Um, but I think that this worked out really well because I think Ryan really has a, um, 
a collector's mentality, and he understands the um, power and value of art. And so I think that he made a commitment to um, kind of focusing on it yeah. um, and allocating, um, you know, resources to make that happen kind of thing. Yeah, I wish more um, hospitality spaces would actually think about it more because yeah. I think that it can be very transformative. For sure. Yeah. Spend a little less money on something. Maybe like don't get that 24 cold, like 24 karat gold ceiling. Exactly. Maybe you get something that people actually can see. Yeah. How many people are dining and going like this? <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I know. And I think that thing is, yeah, people, you know, spend so much money on upholstered fabrics <laughs> or like custom discs or whatever. But I think that, you know, people are inspired by great art. Yeah. I mean, look at the amount of people that go to museums in New York, you know, to, that's, that says a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So in comparison to your childhood, to what you're doing now, mm -hmm. like, like you said, you didn't grow up around art. Mm -hmm. What was the, was the feeling from, you're at this, I feel like this really high level of like notoriety mm -hmm. um, compared to your childhood. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a very kind of like classic middle-class family. Um, when we moved from Korea, we came to the Washington DC area. That's where I kind of grew up. Uh, are you from there also too? From that area, uh, yes. That's right, you're from Maryland, right? Virginia. Oh, Virginia, I'm yeah, sorry. Same sorry. area though, yeah, DMV, yeah. it's okay, we yeah, all yeah. present the same thing. The whole tri-state kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love, you know, great restaurants. I mean, going to the first great restaurant I ever went to when I was studying abroad in Paris, I think we went to uh, Alain de Cross's restaurant, which was like amazing. Yeah. I've never kind of ventured into to that kind of place when I was growing up. Also, being Korean, Koreans really don't, are not really into like fancy dining. Really? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really exist in a way. Like in Seoul, for example, I always say, the cuisines there are such all these like small casual restaurants that you go for a very specific um, like dish. And it's kind of quick, but the kind of the more elegant fancy restaurants always happen to be like hotel restaurants. Oh, yeah. Tourism. Kind of, yeah. yeah. But but actually people, the locals really go there like for like, special occasions. But it's so like uptight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like a little too much, a little too uptight. Yeah. Like for, for the divide, it's like, okay, you're, everything's small and relaxed. And now it's like uptight and it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like no middle ground kind yeah. of thing. Maybe things are changing. I haven't been back in a few years, so. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what you're accomplishing, what you've done with uh, Ryan Lee and, and that gallery, like going in with your vision there, how does that compare to now mm -hmm. and, how you, and how you approach your art and your sales, especially with uh, your clientele? Mm -hmm. You know, I think um, going into and starting Ryan Lee was really about creating an international platform for our, our artists. I always say as a gallerist, my clients are my artists not the collectors, not the museum people. I think you work the hardest for your artist. And my goal has always been to give them the biggest platform as possible. It's not really about sales per se. Mm -hmm. I think that if you can actually help build their careers and give them a bigger platform, then people care. And that's what actually drives sales or drives um, interest in it. You know, one great example is a young artist that I started working with named Martin Gutierrez. Yeah. And she's represented in the Legacy Collection. Yeah, she's right outside Nada's place. Exactly. And yeah. there's a few other pieces um, downstairs by the bathrooms also, too. 
But she's, you know, I worked with her since she was 22 years old, just out of college, which is kind of unusual for me to work with someone so young. But she had such incredible vision and ideas uh, about her projects that I thought they were also just so unique. And I started working with her. And you know, in the last couple of years, she's been in the Venice Biennale, which is one of the most important art exhibitions in the world. And to be selected to be in the main exhibition is like a huge honor. It's yeah. almost like winning the Academy Awards. Whoa. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But because of that, she, there's been so many uh, upcoming museum shows for her. And you know, I have other artists who's been in the Whitney Biennial and Documenta, all these really important international exhibitions. I think that's what I really want to do, is to give the artists that I work with a space that they can actually um, show and expand their audience. Because I think the artists that I work with have a lot to say yeah. about society, about philosophy, about culture, about all, all these different kind of things that I'm really interested in, um, which I think is really fascinating. And for me, it's important that the artists that I work with and the gallery that I have would hopefully be a part of like art history um, down the line. Yeah. That, you know, next or, or two generations from now, some of the artists I have the privilege to work with would be important enough that people will study them. Yeah. You know? That'd be a beautiful thing. Yeah. And all because of you. Are you are you looking for the recognition? Sure. I yeah. mean <laughs> I mean why not, right? Why, I mean why not? <laughs> we we need some some sort of motivation to kind of go on. Um, it's not an ego thing. I right. just think that it's more about if you do a good job, you're going to be recognized no matter what. Right. I think so. I mean, if you're a great chef or a great restaurateur, um, you will be recognized in different kind of ways. Right. At least within your industry, I would of think. Of course, right. Yeah. The thing is that if you want to kind of break out and create your own platform and voice in it within an industry that you like, you are working towards to be recognized yeah. for some contribution that you made. And people are like, wow, that was really cool. Or that's really interesting. Or that was so smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or all of it. <laughs> yeah. Or all of it together. <laughs> Lovely. So, like, um, what was one thing you underestimated, especially, like, getting artists off the ground? Like, what's one thing, like, you attempted to do, tried to, let's like, say you got one meeting, and it just mm -hmm. totally, like, well, I did not see that coming. Like, there was I think element. that you have to manage expectations. I think that it takes a village to make it all work. No one person can actually uh, make it happen. But I think it's having uh, open and honest conversations with your artist and lo looking at how the intersections of your networks to how to achieve the goals that you want to achieve for yourselves. I think that's really important. I think it's easy to say like, oh, I want more museum shows. Oh, I want more sales. But I think you need to come up with very concrete things to like work towards yeah. that I think that anyone would do. And I think that's an important um, life lesson and also a business lesson too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to have concrete things to work towards. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, I totally feel you. So like any, anything great like, or anything that, oh, let's not get to great first. Like, did it ever get ugly? Did you ever want to quit? Say, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, the hardest for me was um, I'm 
gonna be 42 this year. Couldn't tell. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mine's all that white hair these days. I, I um, thought it was a you know style thing. You know, I thought we were graduated high school together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too kind. Um, I actually a couple of years ago, I think you know the notion about having a midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. I think it's for real. I actually had a, had a nervous breakdown. Really? Yeah. It was. I think the pressures of life and business kind of got to you because I think that. It's really imp- easy to like lose yourself, especially in an industry when you're constantly um, working for other people, whether it's artists or collectors or whatnot. And I think that it was a very, very painful time. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like looking back at back at it now, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it gave me a new, renewed sense of focus and what I needed to do for my own self. Yeah. I think it's so important to not lose yourself and your needs because I think if you do, it will lead to like resentment and bitterness and just a lot of darkness. And I think that you always have to have a strong uh, sense of self and balance in order to do good things for other people. Right. Um, it took, yeah, I mean, it was a very, very difficult year from 39 to 40. And mm. I actually remember selling my 40th birthday at Legacy. Oh. And <laughs> oh, um, you know, they have the beautiful private dining rooms. And it was so special to kind of be able to kind of come out of it. But also understanding that uh, that process is not over. Right. I think life teaches you that um, things are going to happen. And how are you going to adapt and pivot and I don't know, um, like learn from it. Right. I mean, COVID is a great example. Yeah. I mean, this has been a tough year for not just me, but for the whole world. Yeah. But I never felt um, like down or nervous about it yeah. in terms of the business part of it. But, you know, personally, it can be difficult. Uh, um, totally. I, I mean, totally understand that. You wouldn't be human, I think, if you didn't feel things that are hard. Right. Yeah. yeah. I definitely took a deep look into myself during this quarantine time. Mm. You know, you start, the mind starts racing, think about a lot of things, a lot of things from the past come up, things that about the future, mm-hmm. and everything is just, whew. but then you realize, okay, the whole world has stopped right now. So let me relax for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let me take my mind off things for just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you recenter, you refocus, and you say, you know, it's not, for me, it was like, it's not that bad. Yeah. I have my health, I have my life, I can still, I have my apartment, mm-hmm. I'm, I can buy food for myself, I'm totally fine, everything is good. Sit down, let's plan for the next step. Yeah. I think, you know, what you just said is so important because I think having a sense of gratitude will actually kind of get you through a lot. And and that's kind of the positivity or uh, a shift in perspective. You know, one of my life mantras after having experienced what I did is that your mind is your greatest obstacle. Mm -hmm. It's also your greatest solution. Yeah. You can look at... You can be in a situation or you can um, face something, but it's your perspective about it. And a shift in perspective can really change things. Uh, It's very difficult to do, but I think that it takes practice, you know, and I think it's important to have. It's an important tool (laughs) to have in cases like COVID or another pandemic or societal crisis of what we're going through right now. I mean, it's kind of dark. A lot of trauma. A lot of trauma. A lot of trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we have Gamay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So are you now comfortable taking on more projects? Absolutely. I feel kind of uh, invigorated. Um, yeah, I think the gallery is like expanding. We're mm -hmm. definitely um, working with some new artists um, and doing important historic shows also too, um, not just contemporary. We have a great show right now of an artist who passed away not too long ago named yeah. Emma Amos, who was an important um, artist who um, happens to be African-American, and she was working since the 1960s and really kind of um, dealing with the ideas of race, gender, um, class, all of it um, through her paintings. And she's finally getting the attention that she deserves with the big retrospective opening next year. Her works were in some major museum shows around the world uh, the last couple of years. And unfortunately, she passed away to really uh, benefit uh, from it. But, and she suffered from dementia for many years before wow. she passed away. But um, I think, you know, she would be very pleased that her work will be in the canons of art history. Yeah. Definitely. Li lives she, on. Exactly. Now she's made herself a legend. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's good. So I, at, the, at this time, love to take a break. Nice intermission. Let the wine do its thing. Sounds good. Yeah. And we'll come back after, after these brief messages. The wine enjoyed on this episode was provided by Parcel Wine Shop, a curated wine shop and online retailer with nationwide shipping curated by a team of New York's finest sommeliers, located at 511 West 38th Street in Hudson Yards, New York City. Subscribe to Parcel's Wine Drop, a new delivery service featuring three hand-selected bottles for $95 per month. Parcel, wine for every scenario. Hey everyone. I hope you are all staying safe and healthy out there. The world right now is a scary place, and I truly believe that everyone should be taking the necessary precautions. In a city like New York, delivery services are literally saving lives. And here at Hot Plates and Grapes, we try to do our part to help as well. Instacart is an online delivery service where you can have a large range of produce, groceries, yes, even wine brought right to your door. Personally, I use it very frequently and you would love how easy and convenient it is to use. So follow the link in our description box or go to Instagram and click our link tree to start shopping today. And remember, tip your delivery person and stay safe, everyone. Thank you. The Hot Plates and Grace podcast was brought to you by Delicious Hospitality Group. The group that brought you Charlie Bird, Pasquale Jones, Legacy Records, Ada's Place, Easy Victor's Cafe, and a brand new restaurant that's coming soon. These are my favorite places in Manhattan where you can eat great food, drink fantastic wine, and listen to a fire curated playlist. Place an order today. Now back to the show. Hello, welcome back to the Hot Plates and Grapes podcast. I'm Aaron Mays. I have Jeff Lee here, and we're back to talk about New York and how that features in your career. We spoke a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. about how New York features in career. It's a major role, major player. You've been in love with it for a long time. How does it feature in your career now to this day? It's the most important part of my career in a way. I mean, I think New York is the center of the art world. Yeah. I mean, other cities like to kind of claim it, maybe London, but it's not true. I think New York really is um, where really exciting things are happening in the arts, um, artists, the museums, the galleries who also, from big to small, 
who do really ambitious shows. Um, the one thing that I kind of miss about it, I think the city has gotten so expensive, so a lot more experimental things are not as prevalent, or they might be really deeply embedded in like Richwood or <laughs> other you know other parts of Brooklyn that I just don't know very well. Right. I'm, I'm too old for it, I guess. <laughs> but if if my 28 year old self um i would probably hit those spots to see what's kind of going on um but this city really is really magical it's um i still get so excited about it um you know i bike everywhere and i've been always biking even before covid yeah and i always joke um like biking across a Brooklyn Bridge and seeing that skyline <laughs> it's so special it's you feel so empowered and you feel like um, I don't know that cliche thing of if you can make it in the year you can kind of make it anywhere yeah I actually feel it's kind of true like it gives you a, a great sense of confidence oh yeah um, I can agree with that for sure yeah definitely I got a different walk yeah I got a different talk <laughs> since I've been here for sure absolutely it's there's no other city like it. I think the um, the diversity of people that are actually integrated, um, that's really, I think, unusual. I love the New York attitude. People think, you know, the, the, the stereotype of being too aggressive or not caring. I think that's not true. I think New Yorkers are extremely caring and supportive and you know i think you can ask someone like oh i'm looking for this person you know if you ask your network they will give you like 20 different ideas it's a city of i think helping each other um to get through yeah because it's hard <laughs> it is <laughs> yeah you feel alone sometimes when you like when i first got here i was like kind of like oh i'm what everybody's here and like wait i actually kind of feel alone out of all these eight million people yeah like then all of a sudden you meet one person you meet another person another yeah person another person all of a sudden you have this like you said a network yeah people just ideas what do you want to do i want to do this i want to do that well then you're like i know this person yeah who's yeah. gonna help you with this thing yeah i know this person let me help you know let me introduce you to them i mean yeah. i think that's really beautiful right and so. where i'm from they don't do that come to new york it's like no no we gotta build yeah Together. Like, yeah, together. It's yeah. like, I'm not going to get to where I want to go without you. You're not, you're not going to get to go where you want to go without me, my friends, or connections. Not in like a snobby way, yeah. but more so in like, I want to get there. I know you want to get there. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. And I think it's also really good and refreshing to actually ask for help when you yeah. need it and not be this like tough guy. Like, yeah. oh, you know, like I got my shit figured out or whatever kind of thing. But I think, you know what? If you don't and you need some support, like ask for it. People are really willing to help here. Yeah. So... So um, insp inspiration-wise, what yeah. was that first thing you saw? Like, was it a skyline? Was it the Guggenheim Museum? Mm -hmm. That it was, was it a certain painting that was just like, okay, I can be here. Like, I need to be here. Actually, so, you know, I came here for college, which mm -hmm. is actually a, an incredible blessing because it's an easy transition because mm -hmm. you're kind of in this um, supported structure of university life before you kind of get sent away to real life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even, you know, a traditional college visit, people would just kind of like do the whole tours, etc. But I came by myself to visit my friend at Juilliard, and I went up to Columbia. And there's a uh, a little walk called College Walk, yeah, on 116th between Broadway and Amsterdam. 
I just walked across that, saw the campus, and just loved being in New York. And I was like, this is where I go to school. And so I just felt it. And I think it actually, the city has really also transformed me. I was a very shy kid growing up, really shy. Yeah. I would have never called it. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I had to reinvent myself. I think this city, especially at that time period, you have to um, claim your space somehow. And I think that not just the education, but my real education was by living in New York Mm. um, to find a, a better sense of self, a voice. Uh, also, it was so much fun back in the late 90s, early aughts. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine. I've only heard nothing but stories. Oh, and the best. I the heard best. it's like, like it'll yeah. never be the same again. Like, no, that, I, that I, ship kind of sailed. <laughs> well, I think change is always good. I think yeah. that's the beauty of New York. Because, okay. you know, a lot of other cities, for example, especially a lot of European cities, I call it a, a living museum. Like when you go to Paris or you go to Rome, or it's the same, like nothing has changed. And I think actually it really affects the psyche. Hmm. And not, I'm not you know, trying to put, look down on those cities kind of thing, but I think change is actually really important. I think being in a city that offers a lot of change stimulates you, and you learn to change with it, hmm. or change against it, or do something. But I think you're not complacent. Right. And that's really important. Yeah, you have to adapt. Yeah. There's going to be a curveball, and you, it's either you knock it out the park or you, you take a strike. Yeah. Or you can go live in Southern Virginia yeah. and get that 9 to 5, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's always an option. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> I love Cheers to you on that Cheers. one. Cheers. <laughs> so, um, does any amount of the New York hospitality industry keep you here? You don't dine out, out a lot. You're not really a regular. Mm-hmm. But you are saying in, in, um, in Korea, it's very smaller dining, smaller st- scaled down. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that's what you try to emulate in your he- eating here. It must be natural. So like, what a part of that in, in New York is like kind of drawing you here also? I think in terms of the restaurant industry here, what I love, I mean, I love food. Yeah, I, I, mean, I just, I mean, who doesn't? Right. I mean, I wish I didn't because... Life would be simpler, yeah. and you would save so much money. Mm-hmm. Um, but the options in New York, the range is incredible. But I also think what makes it really incredible is um, the service. Yeah, you know there really is this whole group of people who are in this industry who take it to another level in terms of service or their craft or whatnot. And you get to really experience that in the different restaurants that you kind of go to. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, a lot of other cities could have great restaurants, maybe a a talented chef or a talented restaurant. But if you don't have the infrastructure to support that, having, you know, a great maitre d', having a great wait staff, having great, like, you know, runners, um, you know, line cook, all of it, it takes a village to make it work smoothly and to kind of convey that and I think that's really important and I think New York can really New York really offers that and that's why when you go to a restaurant you rarely have a bad experience I mm. think I can agree with you on that I, it's very seldom even if it was not the greatest I know for a fact anywhere else in the world this is amazing yeah <laughs> yeah no I think I think 
they take that to a, a new level, which yeah. is really great. This is why actually I'm not a big fan of fast casual. Really? Because I think that it takes away from some of that um, like aspect of like full hospitality in yeah. a way, um, which I think is really beautiful. And I'm not think, talking about just the, uh, the, the fancier restaurants and even like the hole in the walls offer incredible service in different kinds of ways. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of the Korean restaurants in Koreatown are like so efficient and great service and great food and they can turn over like like there's no tomorrow yeah i mean <laughs> there's it's like almost effortless like the systems yeah. and the techniques they use you don't even notice that they're doing a certain thing mm-hmm. even at legacy we would have a way to get the table back without making you feel we need a table back and yeah. i really appreciate how you said um the runner was very important yeah like that is a small detail people forget because if somebody runs your food and like they don't know what they're even giving you Mm -hmm. like sometimes like especially when i started off i kind of was bs in a lot of food drops Mm -hmm. like tuna jalapeno this like oh what's that be like "Ah." and that kind (laughs) of drops the ball they were like how does he not know what's going on Mm -hmm. in his own establishment yeah so i got to a point where i was like okay i need to know the layers not just like the three-liner get down to the details so if they ask me boom there's the information right there i'm Mm -hmm. back to where i need to go yeah i think the thing is that when you're operating a business in New York, it's a competitive market. Yeah. And you have to really know your stuff. And I think a great business owner knows every single facet of their business. And this is why it's really important to start from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Because it's only through that you get to really understand these small things, what, what seems kind of small, yeah. could turn into something like major that can ruin an experience for somebody yeah. and that can have a domino effect. Oh yeah. You know, and I, you know, in the art world, for example, I always tell my colleagues like shipping of artwork or, you know, a collector or a museum could buy some really incredible artwork. And then there's a shipping mishap that just completely ruined the experience for so many people. Yeah. I think that can jeopardize you from them not coming back to you. Oh, hundred percent. Like everything might've been great. Like, whew, like I, I've had times where I've had a really great start off. I approached the table perfectly. I yeah. knew all the wines I was going to get the person. Got everything done. Everything done. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the duck takes 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then they're just like, well, that was going really great until the now. Yeah. So like, yeah, that was great. Now the duck took 30 minutes. I'm, all I'm thinking about now is how that duck took 30 minutes. Yeah. May not want to go through that again. You know, yeah. They kind of kick back their thinking. They're like, yeah, thank you for everything. That was great. But they're like, man, that dude really dropped the ball on that duck. Like, yeah, and then you're also inter- you're also interdependent on other people. Yeah, who's preparing the duck and the timing of it all. So yeah, too. So it's how we all work together. Oh, for to sure. To create a seamless experience. And but once you important. nail it, whoa! You see the faces high, like yeah. Shoulders are down, legs are kicked up. They're just like, hey man, thank you. How many fist pumps I've gotten? Yeah. At tables, they're just sitting there, arms kicked back. Yeah. And I'm like, good. Like I had a, I played a part in that. Yeah. yeah. I think people really miss dining. Oh Since, my god! You I have mean, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. The minute outdoor dining and most places got patios, yeah. I was out there. Yeah. I, yeah. Was, I was risking it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, world. Um, <laughs> I had to go. I know. For me, like, by, I think right after July 4th, that was, like, my melting point where yeah. I just couldn't even cook for myself anymore. Yeah. I was like, no. Like, I don't even want to make a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just, like, drink something. Right. Yeah. Like, I could make myself a drink at the house, but, like, man, I just want a nice curated cocktail Yeah. a well thought after like meal yeah because i'm not thinking that 
well my meals i'm yeah. i try to make handmade pasta i'm messing up some process and i'm not really going to enjoy my own cooking yeah i yeah. need to get back out there yeah yeah and also for me i have this thing about supporting uh restaurants who've been in business for a long time yeah you know i think they're survivors like yeah. i love like odeon yeah i mean that place has been going on it's like a cockroach i mean <laughs> it's a survivor <laughs> Survive a nuclear bomb. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same. Yeah. Since I used to go in the, like the 90s, like the late 90s, you know? And they're still here. They're still here. I think There's that's a lot of places that didn't survive, though. I know. A lot of good places, a lot of staples. Well, I think that's, that's the hard thing about the New York uh, market. Yeah. People are finicky, and people want change. And I think the ones who can survive 20-plus years, wow, like yeah. they're doing something right. Exactly. You know? That's what they told us when I was in uh, ICE. They were saying, you know, hey, 80% fail rate in New York, mm -hmm. but when you're successful, you can still fail. Yeah. You could be here for 20, 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you got your life. There was a restaurant in West Village right around the corner from the Blind Tiger. Okay. I forgot the restaurant name, but it was it was there for 42 years. Oh, what kind of food was it? Do you remember? I, I really don't remember. I would okay. walk by it every day. I just never ate there. Uh -huh. I would see it packed. They even shot an Amazon Prime TV show there. Oh, interesting. I got to find it. got to look it up. I should have okay. came prepared for that. <laughs> but... Um, they closed. And they During were like, COVID? No, before. Oh, before. This was like a year and a half ago. Got it. And I'm thinking 42 years. Like how much you should have had money in savings and the other. I'm like, how did you, how did that happen? Then I realized there's new places popping up. Yeah. The well, rent's going up. But maybe also they just wanted to have a shift in their career. That's true. I mean, in-game is everything. It's not always a financial thing when restaurants close. Sometimes you can close on your own volition. That's beautiful too. Yeah. <laughs> walk out, you know, walk out a hero. Yeah. You're like, don't live in long enough to be a villain. Yeah. You're like, you know, I'm done. Yeah. I've, d I've done all I could. 42 years probably a great run. Peaceful. Yeah. I want to have that in my life. Yeah. To where I build something so great and like, I didn't get canceled. I kind of canceled myself. Jerry Seinfeld, the whole thing. Uh, you know, just yeah. like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I think having uh, that sense of autonomy is really important. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. So I need to hear it. God, I'm, I'm so curious, since you've been here since college, mm. you have to have a crazy New York experience. I know for a fact you've gone out there and just lost it until the sun came up. Yeah. I mean... What you got for me? When I was really young, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think my funniest and funniest story is, I remember, God, this was so long ago, <laughs> but when the box first opened, and the, I don't know if it's still going on or not, but it was a kind of a burlesque club in the Lower East Side, and they would have these new shows. I think it was at, at 1.22 in the morning or at 1. It was like very specific time. And so a friend of mine knew the owner, and um, she invited me to come, which was really fun. It was like one of the hottest places to get into. I mean, it was very hard. But we went. I was sitting in the front row. And that night was this crazy show. Um, and I remember the, the MC pick me to come on stage what? <laughs> and it was what I call shock and awe yeah but I just remember being um, seated on this crazy like Louis the 14th style velvet chair like a throne it, a blindfold was put on a gag ball and then all <laughs> I could hear was the curtain opened up and then all these burlesque dancers started coming down and started undressing my shirt and like kind of just you know and then the, um, the light with the music would stop and the curtain would close and it would, ha would happen again like a couple times. And it was just kind of insane. But that night, things I saw was like, I mean, I don't even think I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> it was 
so kind of crazy. I don't know, yeah, I don't think things exist like that anymore in New York. But the other really great thing that I love, if I can say two things. Oh, hit me with it. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of the opposite. There's a thing called a loft party. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. Yeah, you were talking about that. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I think, God, it, the, right before COVID, it was either the 40th or 50th anniversary, I can't remember, which is horrible. But it was started by this man named David Mancuso. And it, he was at the original loft parties in New York. And it still goes on. It's, um, you get an invitation by mail if you're on Ooh. his list. And you can bring up to like two or three guests, I can't remember. And it's only for like 200 and some of my people for each time. It's from five to like midnight or one. And it's all disco music. But the crowd, it's like people in their like early 20s, like these like Bushwick hipsters to maybe like ex-soul trained dancers, you know, people in their 70s, like all just kind of together and for disco music and house music. And it's really beautiful. And the message they always talk about is called Love Saves the Day. And I think that um, to see that continuation in New York, it's really, uh, I don't know, it, it makes me really happy. So. I love that. I, like, I yeah. wish I got a mail invitation for that. That sounds so <laughs> Next cool. Next time I'll, I'll, I'll invite you. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Need to be like, whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned The Loft because there's the, the artist, The Weekend. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. he made a song called The, the Loft. And he mentions, like, in the one line, he's like, oh, the two, the, some of the loft in the middle of the city got the whole city rolling with me. That yeah. was like the line I had to research. To, I had to listen to the song again because I know yeah. he mentions kind of the city specifically and being in a group party. And it, I it's think a there really was a really good song. And there was a reference to balloons. You said, right? yeah, the, it was um, the mixtape's called the House of Balloons. Yeah, and the balloon feature is very important in that party because it's. Um, I mean, he had a very tragic story, but balloons represent the sense of like happiness, mm -hmm. and um, the loft has these incredible balloon works, and that's kind of their thing that they're kind of known for. That's so, so. cool. Like, yeah. It started like 40 years ago and it leads into like 2010. It came out in like 2010 or something like that. It was, so it's interesting now how it all ties in. That's mm. really cool. Networks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The <laughs> networks of New York for sure. So I want to talk about like now like some uh, contributions. Like um, we've already had talks about, you know, how you feel, like how art should be and how art, you know, should feel. Mm -hmm. So like what do you feel like you're bringing to the table in reference to the art world? and what separates you from those who are um, partners, directors, mm -hmm. currently? Um, I always say that I'm always drawn to art. Like what I used to like to say is art that process life. I'm very an emotional person, I think. And I think that's my strength. Um, I, like, I, say I like all kinds of art, even conceptual practices. But I need things that are kind of emotional or things that yeah like you know that notion of when when you're processing something that you can't put into words but you have this like need to create something to like express yourself i think that's really um poignant and beautiful and i think a lot of the artists that i work with kind of exemplifies that and that's something that i think um i would like to yeah like, like contribute to show those kinds of artists. Yeah. Are you looking to do any like any classes on how to feel art, how to, how to do how to art <laughs> <laughs> for like for like plebeians like me? I don't think it's something that you can like teach per se. Yeah. But I will give you this one analogy that I always kind of reference when I do um, 
like class or whatever, when sometimes like grad schools invite me, what makes good art good? I always say, uh, and I always kind of parallel the idea of like performance or like theater or whatever. You know, like when you go to see performance, for example, and let's say you see the same thing like three nights in a row. It could be a music show, it could be opera, it could be dance, or it could be, you know, play. Mm-hmm. Same cast, etc. But one night, it just feels magical. And the whole audience is standing up and clapping. The other two nights, it's like, it's, it's good. <laughs> that space where the difference between good and this like, feeling that you need to stand up and clap, that's the space where I think great art fulfills. Mm. It's hard to describe why that was better than the other night, but you just feel it. Mm. And it sounds so cheesy maybe, but I think it's really <laughs> true. <laughs> but I'm glad it's, like a, it's, it's more simple than it is complex. Yeah, I think it's visceral. I think that, you know, we use language to talk about things, uh, but in the end, I think it's about how you feel about it. The body is important. The body is your gateway to both emotions, but also uh, intellectual curiosities, all of it. It's how the body feels and how it kind of like perceives it. I think that's important. At one point, Mary Ryan lets you express your personal voice because you had to probably been working under her for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You speak. You're speaking so eloquently now about you know how how art should be seen like your your body. Mm-hmm. Did she like see that and let you just like take off with your own voice? I and, feel like, very very grateful. She actually really um, gave me a lot of autonomy early on. She gave me a platform to be able to kind of do my thing, but I also was a very responsible person. So I actually <laughs> you know I, I made some good sales and <laughs> did the right thing. And she always. Um, always told me that she always wanted to be business partners and I think what's really special about our relationship and makes it very distinctive is that we are business partners um, of different generations she is you know a generation older than I am Um, different gender different background but I think our differences is actually what allows us to have more interesting conversations about art the artists that we work with because I think that um, having different frameworks allows us to have a more expansive view about art that I think makes our program distinctive. That's good. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's really cool. So where do you see it going from here? From this day exactly going forward? Where, where do you see it? I mean, a little bit of kind of the same. I don't want to be boring about it, right. but I'm just like really happy about what I'm doing. Um, I just wanted to make sure that I can, yeah, still have this platform to work with artists that I love, um, show more artists. I don't have any ambition to open like multiple galleries yeah. or galleries around the world. That's not my MO. I wanted, uh, because I think personal life is really important. Yes. And I think that I want to have a fulfilled life that is just not about work, but, you know, follow my own personal passions and family one day. I don't have children, but something that's kind of important to me. Um, I think, yeah, a balance of life is important. And you know, my business partner, Mary Ryan, exemplifies that. I think she always talked about how having a small business allowed her to not just be 
a, a gallerist, but also a good mother. Oh, yeah. and uh, you know a present wife and family member and a good friend yeah um, I always say that she is like a successful human being <laughs> that's a good way to put that yeah I think yeah. I think I think we should all aspire for that yeah I think that's the most important thing in life yeah like you don't want to be like yeah you can be a successful art dealer or a successful chef or whatever but I think you want to be a successful human being. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny how you mentioned, it's not funny, but it's good how you mentioned like the friendship aspect. Mm. A lot of people put like they have family, it's like, you know, God work family with some people mm -hmm. and they forget all about friendship. Oh, so important. Like friendship is like the escape I feel from all those three things. Well, I think also in New York, friendship is more special. Yeah. Because I think your friends can be your family. Yes. For a lot of people. I think a lot of people come to New York uh, to escape mm -hmm. their own past. Yeah. It could be traumatic or whatnot, but they develop their own communities that become very, very, it's like more than friendship in a way. But I think we have to be good to each other. Yeah, it's like we're all in this battleground of yeah. New York and then we're just band of, like, band of brothers for lack of a better term yeah <laughs> and like you're just all together it's like we're gonna get through this and like now that we've been through this even people i've met for only a year here mm -hmm. they've gone somewhere else but still the connection's there because it's like we were in this together we, we all survived here together yeah we and i think i'm not to interrupt but i think it's also important that you put your you put the effort into it i think friendships and relationships all you know only last if you put the time and effort into it yes and that's important if that's important to you oh it's so so important yeah like i my my thing is i love getting together with like old friends new friends and doing like food events like let's grill mm -hmm. let's do an oyster party mm -hmm. let's let's go to the park let's play like i have a I'm in a group chat with like 15 people we just play basketball amazing yeah we go at eight o'clock in the morning we do some drills or like 5 p.m we go play we take over the whole court and just and just play mm -hmm. and it's so awesome because it's like I was just shooting in the hoop by myself, and eventually now I have like a basketball family. I have a food family. Mm -hmm. I have a like professional family. Mm -hmm. Like all these things are tying in, and it's just like, and I have my family in Virginia, and it's like I'm just so I feel so loved. It's yeah. like, whoo! Like, <laughs> I can I can get through anything. That's a great feeling, isn't it? So lovely to feel supported, especially yeah. times like COVID. Yeah, you know, I think I I said earlier on, like when I'm in the Berkshires, for example. You know, I put a lot of time and effort into creating a community up there. And the community up there is not just about acquaintances. They're incredible friends that feel like family. Yeah. And, and to have that, it's everything. Yeah, 100%. That ties perfectly in to this next segment. Okay. Your friends, family, anybody you're dealing with at the moment, any projects you're dealing with, is now's your time to give them a shout out. Mm -hmm. and plug in any projects, anything, any artist that, that's just killing it, I'll give you this time to show love to the people who show you love. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I'm actually really excited about this new project I'm working on. It's going to be our next show at the gallery. It's an artist named Herbert Gentry who passed away many years ago. Uh, it's going to be the first show at the gallery, and his first show in a long time. He grew up in um, the Harlem Renaissance, and he moved to Paris very early on, right after World War II, uh, with the GI Bill in 1946. And he actually started a club there called Shea Honey, which became this incredible center for a lot of expat artists and writers and thinkers, including like Ed Clark, James Baldwin, uh, incredible jazz musicians. 
And I'm really excited to share his work and his story because I love this idea about an artist who crosses the Atlantic and bridges these two continents together, especially, um, and also still feeling like the idea of the, being an outsider because of his race. And his artwork is really about human connection. It's their kind of primitive figurative works. Um, they're not distinctively anything, but it's about his own connections yeah. and how he was an incredible bridge to so many people. And I think that's a really powerful message for our times now. Yeah. That how we can be great conduits and, um, and bring people together, yeah. regardless of where you're from or what you are in background. And I think his work and his life really um, sought that. And I think that's really fantastic. So his I'm work became a nice intercessor for you know, society. Yeah. That's so, so beautiful. So that's going to open, I think, at the end of October. So okay. if you guys are around, come see it by appointment at this point. So Okay, well, I'll try to get my appointment in. I'll try to click Sounds and good. be as dapper as I could. <laughs> try, don't look like a sore thumb out there. <laughs> no need to dress up. Oh, lovely. I, I like that. I like a nice, relaxed environment. Absolutely. You know? That's lovely. So I, I, I thank you so much for being on my show. Like, this is super great. Like, your point of view has been astronomical. I've literally learned so much even before and even to now like I'm literally want to like fill my whole apartment up with art oh okay. and if I do like all my ventures are going to be slightly like artistic because my like my worst trait mm -hmm. is like design like art color scheme I can't do any of it like but it's not saying I couldn't do it mm -hmm. so I think this is really important because now going forward I'm like going to see it in a different light well that's why you have friends who specialize in other things so get your friends who are good at design and art to help you <laughs> exactly. with your venture yeah. it takes a village yeah. you can't e do it all even so. this even this podcast well thank you so much for having me it's been really an honor and i wish you the best of luck with your podcast so. oh thank you so much we're we're trying well, we're not trying i'm trying to use not I'm not trying to use that terminology anymore no you're doing we're it. we're doing it you're doing yeah. it and that's that's amazing so congratulations all right jeff at this time i'd like to give a cheers to you thank you for being on my show and if you could Lead us with a cheers as well of your own, like any quote that you have, like mine, I like to say like, hey, staying positive and testing negative, that type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my cheers. Guys, hard to follow up with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to give a cheers to you, Aaron, and for your um, much success for this podcast and also to great art, um, not just visual arts, but culinary arts. And it's so important in life, and especially during COVID. I think this is, um, people are craving it. So hope to, yeah, cheers to art. Cheers to art. <laughs> Perfect. Couldn't have any, any better way. <laughs> so we did this thing at Legacy, where after every meeting we had before mm -hmm. our shifts, we'd always close it out. Okay. This came from Peter Anderu. It's pretty much related to sports. When like, mm -hmm. you break the huddle, going to your next play okay but this when we clapped it out it gave us a, the energy for the rest of the night mm -hmm. if we botched it we might have botched the night mm -hmm. if we nailed it we're all in one accord we know we all synchronized we're gonna have a great day okay uh-oh pressure yeah, pressure's <laughs> on <laughs> it's it's, a, it's only 125 that's right <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of day left yeah so i'd like to give you the honors of taking us out with a uh, three two one clap okay yeah let's go for it three two one clap Nice. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so beautiful. I love that. I'm a little bit better, you know.